My name's Paul, and I'll be reading Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Hear the word of the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonable, reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is any worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Good morning. Good to see you all. Um, my name is Matt Stevens. I've been serving here at the church for about nine years now. Uh, both Lingle and Buckles are out this morning, so the cats are away. <laughs> but he, uh, Lingle spoke last week on Philippians 3. We're actually going to be in Philippians 4. We're just going to kind of continue some of those ideas forward this morning. Um, so if you want to turn there, that's where we're going to be camping. And really, this morning is just about one very simple, beautiful truth that we exist to know God. We exist to know Jesus. Colossians says that all things were made by him and for him. Um, in Psalms it says his presence, there's fullness of joy, right? And my nearness to him is my good, right? So that's what we're here to do, to know him, to enjoy him, and to glorify him forever, okay? That's what we're meant to do. That's what you and I are meant to do, to abide in the Lord, in the presence of God, okay? And my guess is there aren't many people here this morning that would argue with that, right? That we wouldn't argue that we were created for that, that we were created to, to abide in the presence of the one who made us, right? That that's a, that's a good thing. We would agree on that, that it's a worthwhile thing. There's not many of us that would say, yeah, you know, it's kind of a waste of my time, right? And yet, the reality is, is that we all struggle to create the space to pause, to dwell, to abide, with the Lord, right? And the question is, why? Now, if the Bible's true, and I believe that it is, it says that we have an enemy, and that enemy works in many ways, but a lot of times it's not to convince you that God doesn't exist, right? It's not to convince you that he's a waste of your time, right? He's not saying that to you. What he is saying, if you want to pursue God, you go for it. You go for it. Okay, but before you do, you know, maybe make sure you have the right outfit, Right? And then make sure you get good grades in school so you get a good SAT score, right? So you can get into good college, right? And get into the right major. And then in the right major, you want to get the right internship, right? Because you want to get the right job. And then you're like, well, where am I going to move? Am I going to live in Dallas? Am I going to live in, in Houston, you know? And then you got to get an apartment or a house. And you're like, well, you know, how do I decorate this house? You know, my mid-century guy, my modern guy, I don't know. How do I do this? And then you meet someone, right? And then you start going on a lot of dates with that person. Then you go on a lot of dates with that person. And then you're like, oh, is that the one? 
you know? And then you meet their parents and you get engaged. And then next thing you know, you're planning this wedding, this wedding that's awesome and amazing, right? And then you have new, new friends to meet and gather. And then you have new family. And then the next thing you know, kids are in the mix, right? And then you got diapers and doctor bills and PTA meetings. And then you're like, well, I'm not, you know, am I a homeschool person? Am I a public school person? What do my friends think? So you go online and you're like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, inst- you know, uh, Snapchat, TikTok, and you're like, what even is TikTok? Are my kids on TikTok? And like, TikTok, yeah. Oh, and then you've got counseling bills to deal with, and then you've got mortgage and payments, and it goes on and on and on and on and on, right? Okay, and, and then no point in any of that do you think to yourself, you know, God, just kind of wasted my time. But you look up one day and you realize you kind of lost them along the way. And for many of us, we lose our chief end because we get so distracted by all the other subordinate ends in our lives. So what am I saying? Am I saying, like, you know, to abide with God, you know, the key to this, the secret is just it's the kids, right? Just you and God, okay? No, that's not what I'm saying, all right? It's not the existence of these things in our lives that's the problem. It's our, it's our anxiety about them that sabotages our lives, okay? So Matthew 6, Jesus is calling his people to walk with him and seek first the kingdom. And, it's, and he says this, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? It says, don't be anxious, but seek first the kingdom. So don't miss what he just did here. Okay? He presents anxiety as one of your greatest impediments to fulfilling your God-given destiny. Okay? One of the enemy's greatest strategies is to derail you from seeking the kingdom of God. Okay? And how? By filling you with anxiety. Okay? He's, he's, um, you know, the tragedy is really that a lot of us are living in this, okay? In the beginning of, of Jesus' ministry in Luke 8, he talks about this parable, right? The parable of the soils and that God is wanting to plant the seed within our, within our hearts that it would grow and it would um, into life and that it would bear fruit in you. But he says that many won't experience that. Many of us in this room won't experience that um, because in the parable, there's some weeds that come out and choke out what the seed of God is trying to do, right? And then later on, he defines what those weeds are with his disciples. And he says that the weeds that, that grow up and want to choke out what God wants to do in your life, he calls this, the worries of this life. Your anxiety about things. So many of us are missing out on what God wants to say to us because of our anxiety. Okay, and the scary thing is this, not only will you miss out what Christ wants to do in your life, but hear this, anxiety is a gateway to many other sins. Okay, your anxiety about grades leads you to dishonesty. Rutgers, um, they did the study on Rutgers, like 32 universities, I think, and they found that 74% of business students and 68% of students in all other areas and fields admitted to some form of cheating. Now, I don't know why uh, the business students, it was higher. I don't know if they just asked them, hey, do you think it's okay to cheat? And they're like, yeah, that's how I get ahead. You know, or if maybe they were asking the philosophy students and they're like, mm, you know, what is cheating, right? <laughs> Um, it's what you're doing, okay? I don't know. But 74%, 74% of students admitted um, to cheating. Why? Because they were so worked up about a grade, right? Some of you worry about, am I going to meet someone? When am I going to get married? Okay, and doing that will cause you to lower your standards and get yourself into some pretty unhealthy relationships, all right? Um, you're, some of us worry about our finances, right? We've got anxiety about our finances. Um, and that can lead you to be, use some pretty harsh words to your spouse. My wife and I 
um, I think this is pretty common in, in, in most people. You have one that's the saver and one that's the spender, right? Okay, I'm the saver. Katie's the spender. She's not here to defend herself, but she said that it's okay that I share this. Um, but, it, but for me, like, you know, we had, I don't know, it's about a month, month ago or so, we had just a bunch of things that started breaking around the house. Now, we set aside, you know, our emergency fund for things like this, but even spending out that just kind of stresses me out. And, you know, it, it, it kind of comes out, and like, if I'm not careful, I have a pretty sharp tongue. And so there were things going on, and I'm stressed about this, and then little things would happen, and all of a sudden, boom. You know, I say something like, why did I say that? You know, and it's because of anxiety about finances, right? Um, some of us, it could lead us to do some pretty unethical things if we're stressed about our finances. Um, sometimes it causes, us, it causes us to completely pull out of God's mission through the church and giving to the church. Because think about it, what do we cut off a lot of times when we're stressed about our finances? Our anxiety about being liked, right? It can cause us to embellish stories about ourselves and later on that can cost you. So some of your anxiety, that relentless pull of it you know, you, you run to escape um, and comfort in all manners of addictions, right? You live in the cycle of anxiety and escape, anxiety and escape, and it's killing you, and the clock is running out, okay? Some of you won't like hearing this, but we have copious amounts of research now on screen time, right? And it's showing links between higher amounts of screen time associated with higher amounts of anxiety and depression, especially in adolescence, Okay, and it's even more specific than that. Okay, it's not just screen time that's the cause, but how and what we're spending our time on the screen time doing. Okay, it's showing us that higher anxiety people use social media more. Why? It's for its sedative function, right? They're going to it because it's an escape from their worries. Now, the problem with social media is that it's actually built to cause other anxieties right? It's, it literally feeds off the anxieties that it generates. And so FOMO, fear of missing out, right? Missing out on popularity, missing out on information, missing out on social group interactions, even missing out on the chance to defend yourself against things other people are saying about you. It's not the first time in the first activity that we've created that depends on its negative consequences for our continued usage, Alcohol, drugs, overeating, pornography. All of these things we use as sedatives for our anxieties all the time. It's sin, guys. If you are prone to these things, we have to cut them off. If anxiety could be conquered, a blow would be struck to so many other sins. And we need to figure this out because anxiety will waste your life and it will kill you, okay? It will literally kill you if you don't know how to deal with it. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Sleepless nights, your mind running at 1,000 miles an hour, you can't turn it off, okay? You worry, worry is just haunting you, you have no peace because anxiety owns you. Some of the top-selling drugs in the U.S., antidepressants, antacids, high blood pressure medication, okay, all that stuff that can be brought on by stress and anxiety, okay, and it can lead to physical reactions in our bodies, like heart attacks and strokes, okay? Now, let me stop for a minute and let me clarify things that I'm not saying this morning, okay? This is not, um, this is not something that's meant to shame you, okay? We all struggle in some ways with anxiety. The truth is, is that statistics show that 20% of the people in this room 
struggle majorly with anxiety, okay? Some of that will, ca- will need counseling. Some of that will need medication, okay? But we also need to hear what God says about these things, okay? And, and so and we gotta put it to practice as well, okay? Because maybe 20% of us struggle majorly with anxiety, but the truth is 100% of us struggle in this room, right? And God's word and message is the same for all of us, okay? And the tragedy is that many of us will proclaim that we know the Prince of Peace, but we don't know peace, And let me tell you something, the world is unimpressed when we talk and we say that we we talk about the Prince of Peace and we live our lives in stress. They're not impressed, Christian. The Christian life is meant to be marked by a lack of anxiety. Jesus tells us this. He tells the disciples in Luke 12, don't be anxious. The world does that. My kids, they don't have to. Okay, one of, the, one of the liberties that Jesus brings is not just from condemnation of sin, but liberty from anxiety. It's one of his gifts, and we have to figure out how to tap into that. So Paul, he's writing to the Philippians here in verse six, and he says, do not be anxious about anything. Be anxious for no thing. Isn't that powerful? Anxiety is never godly. There's never a circumstance that you are obligated to worry about. And can that just be a breath of fresh air for some of us in this room? God is not gonna say, okay, I'm gonna give you something and I just want you to freak out about it. He's never gonna do that. Never gonna do that, okay? And, you know, and I'm not saying you don't care about anything, okay? But I'm talking about that kind of shoulder tensing, like scalp drying anxiety that some of us live in that we kind of carry around like it's some sort of virtuous thing. Okay, the Bible says don't do that. It doesn't honor God. It doesn't help people. You're never called to be anxious. Isn't that amazing? So you say, yeah, that's super helpful. Amen. So how do, how do we do that? Well, he gives us a few ways to walk in that. Okay, here's the first. Continue in verse six. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. Okay, you see the parallel here? He's saying be anxious about no thing, but in everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. So what do we do? We pray, right? That's the first thing. And we'll talk about that more in a minute, but I love this, the way that this is worded. In everything, let your requests be made known to God. Okay, for those of you that are grammar lovers in, there, in here, that's called a passive voice, okay? It's not, it's not a, a command where it's like, make your request known. Okay, it's, it's more like passive. Let them be made known. The idea is almost that they want to be made known, just let them, okay? Um, and so many of us, we handle stress in our lives like a beach ball that we're pushing down under the water, right? So what does that beach ball wanna do? It wants to rise, okay? So many of us will, will leave the house and we just kind of stuff everything down, like deep down, eat your feelings, right? And then we walk out like this and everybody's like, hey, how are you doing? You're like, I'm great, I'm grand, swell, praise the Lord, you know? And really inside, we're torn up, right? It's hurting, we're hurting, okay? And, and the Bible says stop doing that, okay? If you're worried about things, you're anxious. Anxious just means um, that you're drawn in different directions, okay? That you're going back and forth about something, okay? And we don't just try to stuff it down, but let it rise, okay? And, and you're like, Matt, what, to like everybody? Like, oh, hey, how you doing? Like, oh, I'm worried about this, I'm worried about that. Like, I don't wanna know all that. Okay, no, it says, let your requests be made known, let them rise to God. So how do I do that? It says by prayer. And the word prayer here is just the most general term for interaction with God, okay? And I want to impress on us this morning that we need to create the space 
okay, to interact with God. Okay, some of you hear that and you're thinking, well, yeah, of course I do. Of course I need to create space, but here's the problem. I, I just don't have time, right? I've got this and I've got this and I've got this. And, you know, I would say to you, yes, yeah, you are busy, okay? But you're like an octopus on roller skates. Okay, there's a lot of movement, but you're not really going anywhere, okay? We're inefficient people. So my wife is this way, and I, again, I, I was approved to be able to tell the story, but um, she... She likes, I mean, it's like the perfect prayer time. You know, it's like 55 outside, there's a fire going, you got coffee, your Bible, your journal, and you know, it's kind of like snapshot of Instagram, hashtag blessed, okay, right? Like, like there's, it's, there's this whole environment that just creates of just, I love to pray right here, you know? And she was telling Susan Buckles this story, and Susan's response to her was, she, I think she kind of laughed, and she said, do you, do you brush your teeth? You know, and Katie was like, Sometimes. Yeah, no. She, right. I mean, obviously, she, she brushes her teeth. I'm just kidding. Um, but she said, if you have time to brush your teeth, you have time to pray. You know, and, and there's so much truth in that, right? Like, we, we want to create, and look, there's moments for that. Don't get me wrong. Like, if you need to set aside a day, if you need to set aside an hour, 30 minutes, but don't, don't like, think you can't spend two minutes. You can't spend your drive time to work praying, right? You've got time. Just set it aside, okay? And that was the point. Um, so take those anxieties, present them to the Lord. Let him speak to you in those areas, okay? And just let those anxieties rise. Um, guilty. Last few weeks for, for me, past month really has been very busy. And I forgot this, right? Like I forgot. And in fact, um, when Katie asked me what, uh, I was going to be teaching on this morning. I told her anxiety. She literally laughed out loud at me because she saw the, the irony and what, kind of what God was doing in that moment. Um, so I, I've had a lot of stress and anxiety over the last few weeks because my wife's car finally died. Okay, and I'm the type of person that, and some of you know this, um, that if I can hold the car together with tape or glue and it gets me there, I'm, I'm good. We're golden. Okay, the wheels need to be falling off of the car before I'm ready to let it go. So literally that was the problem. Um, Katie's car, the bolts that hold on the back end of the car to the frame and the wheels had apparently broken. And when we got to the mechanic, he presented me with this like five page report of everything wrong with the car and then lovingly referred to it as a death trap. Okay, his words. Um, so the car buying process for someone like me, is a, it's kind of a nightmare. I mean, there were a lot of things going on around that that was causing even more anxiety. Um, and, you know, not all bad things, right? Like, I wanted to find a car that was reliable. I wanted to find a car that was, uh, that was affordable for my family to drive around and be safe. Um, but honestly, because of that and the other things, it was causing a lot of negative negativity within my own life and a response to things, to my family, because I was stressed about that, right? And it took, when I finally found a car, and flying to Tennessee, um, I was sick, I got sick that morning that I flew out to Tennessee to pick up this car and drive 11 hours back to Texas, right? And it was, it was kind of like God setting that space aside for me to be alone to remind me, you need to pray. It's kind of one of those, he makes me lie down in green pastures moments, right? Yeah, and that's the truth. And when we create that space, a lot of times I feel like God reveals to us the things that are under those things that are driving the anxiety. Like where's that emotional energy coming from, right? Um, when I first started leading in worship, 
Every single morning, I was nervous and anxious about um, being up here and playing in front of people, okay? My prayer would be, God, help me to stop being nervous. And then I started thinking, well, what is it that I'm nervous about? You know, am I, am I worried that God wouldn't be glorified? I'm like, God, I'm about to thwart your purposes, you know, help me out. No, that really wasn't it. I wasn't worried that God wasn't gonna be glorified. I was worried I wasn't being. You know, that I would look stupid in front of everyone, that I, my voice would crack or I'd play the wrong note, you know, it would distract people from worshiping. And I, don't want, I didn't want to do those things. And then I realized that has nothing to do with what I was about to do, right? It has everything to do with my self-worth and I can't take that to a crowd of people. So that's something entirely different that I learned that I could take to the Lord and speak to him um, and have him teach me whether or not I'm loved, right? And that liberates me to be able to lead and do those things without anxiety. And many of you, I think, will understand that, right? Like you're nervous about a meeting? Well, why? Because I want to be seen as competent. Well, why? Because I want to feel confident. Competent, excuse me. Now, that has nothing to do with what the meeting's about. So how would that help me? Well, for some of you, and really for me too, like my prayers used to be, and I, I couldn't think of a, a, a better way to how to kind of word this. It's just kind of a very clean prayer. Like, you know, like I, you know, God, thank you for this. God, I pray for this. God, help me with this. You know, and it was just, it was very kind of simple, but just, and there's nothing wrong with that, okay? But just, there was a lot more going on inside, right? And God knows that. And so I think for some of us, what we need is just to kind of let that all out. And what is that gonna look like? Sometimes I think that just kind of looks like vomiting, all right? You're just getting it all out, right? And it's kind of a mess, and, and maybe it's, here's the truth, like vomiting makes you feel better sometimes, doesn't it? Right? And so you, you'll receive kind of this calm from that, but it's more than that, obviously, right? Like it's not just what's being promised here, okay? Not just some cathartic experience. Look at the text, it's saying, I'm doing this with thanksgiving. It says I'm doing this with thanksgiving, why? Because I know that as I'm laying out my prayers, I'm doing them to God, okay? The one who can do something about it. Not only one that can do something about it, but the one that wants to, okay? First Peter uh, chapter five says, and verse seven says this, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you, right? It's a command. Here's your anxiety, cast it on him. Why? Because he cares for you, okay? He cares, he loves you, and he wants to hear it. Psalm 55, same kind of idea. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. It gives the same type of command here to cast your cares on the Lord, but it gives you a different reason why here. Okay, it says because he's strong enough to sustain you. So cast your anxiety on him because he's strong enough and because he's loving, right? He loves you enough to want to hear it, and he's strong enough to do something about it. Okay, if my kids need something from me, they need help, it's never an inconvenience for me. God's the same way, right? He, there's, there's nothing too big that you can't go to the Lord and he cares for you, he loves you, he's strong enough to do something about that. And look what happens. Verse seven, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. A peace of God, a peace from God that surpasses understanding. So there's this, there's this story about Abraham Lincoln. Okay, during the Civil War, um, General Lee led in 76,000 troops into Pennsylvania. When that happened, okay, panic hit Washington. 
And over and over, there's accounts of people that were talking about President Lincoln during this time where everyone else is, is panicking. And, and a quote said, he remained strangely confident. And after the war, a general asked him you know, about that. Why, why did you seem so confident during this distress? And this is what Lincoln said. When everyone seemed panic-stricken, I went to my room, I got down on my knees before Almighty God, and I prayed. Soon a sweet comfort crept into my soul that God Almighty had taken the whole business into his own hands. Did Lincoln have decisions to make? Yeah, of course he did. But he could make, up with, the, he could make them with a clear mind because the peace that surpasses understanding guarded his heart. Just kind of kept anxiety out, right? So he was able to lead, and that's how it works. Now if this is just where we left things, just kind of don't be anxious, give it all to God, just kind of empty your mind of this stuff. You know, I don't wanna be anxious about that, I don't wanna be anxious about that. That wouldn't be enough, that wouldn't be sufficient, okay? The idea is that we're meant to cast it out, but we're also meant to take something else up in its place, all right? Which is, by the way, the same instructions for repentance, okay? We turn away from, and then we replace with holiness, okay? Jesus said, don't be anxious, but seek first the kingdom. He said, release so that you can embrace, and that's what Paul does here. He says, don't be anxious. He says, be anxious about no thing. Release anxiety. But then in verse eight, he says this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So I cast off anxiety and I embrace truth. I fix my mind on the thoughts of God, that we cast out our anxieties, and, and when my mind I begin to dwell on, to think on, to meditate on, to focus on what is true. What is true in this situation? What is honorable? What is just, okay? Maybe something that would help us, some of us in here, is that we write down our thoughts. Right? On one side of the paper, write down all the things you're thinking, all the anxieties that you have. And on the other side, you write down what the Bible says about those things, what is true. And you compare them, right? Because we shouldn't believe everything that we think. All right? We need to compare that with what the Bible says, what's true, okay? Psalmist did that. He said, why are you downcast, O my soul? Hope in God. You see what he's doing there? He's talking to his soul, right? He says, why are you downcast? Hope in God. He's preaching to himself. So what's true? Let me get a grip on what's true. You know, don't let me entertain thoughts that are less than true and because my feelings might be wayward and unsettled or scattered, okay? What's honorable? Okay, if I'm faced with a stressful situation, what's the most respectful, dignified response that I can make? What's just? What's the course of action that I could take? in the middle of all this that's the most fair and right thing to do under God and to everyone around me. What's pure? And that's usually used in a, um, applied in, in like sexuality, but it also encompasses all ethical purity. Okay, what's the most non-duplicitous, unselfish, like non-falsely motivated thing that I can do? How can I be sincere? What's lovely? What's a way that I can respond in this moment that's beautiful? Right? That would be a sweet aroma to people around me. What's commendable means of good repute. Okay, what's a way to respond to like a coworker? That if they were making a movie about that moment, people would watch that and be like, wow, that's so inspirational. 
right? Think about those things. What's excellent? What's worthy of praise? Think about those things. What would it be like if on our way to school or to work in the morning that we would be thinking about thoughts that are beautiful, commendable, just? How would that affect you? We kind of do this with my kids every morning on the way to school. You know, they're worried about schoolwork or teachers and if they're in a good mood or not or if their friends are going to be, um, you know, I don't know, I guess in a good mood or wanting to, wanting to play or, or whatever. And, and just the, kind of the stress of school. And we, we talk about like, well, we can't control those things. And what do we replace those things with, right? And then the last thing that we do when they get out of the car, I say, love God. And they respond, love others, Okay, and that's just our little thing that we do as a reminder. What they don't know and what I'm, and what I'm trying to teach them um, about these truths is really just a reminder for me. And they don't know that, but, well, they do now, but, yeah. <laughs> but that I serve a God that loves me unconditionally, right? And uh, it's worthy of my love and my obedience. And I have a gospel um, that is the most powerful message on this planet, right? That can change hearts and minds for Christ, the truth of his word. All right, but it's not simply enough just to read God's word. Verse nine, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So I want you to release anxiety, to cast it on him. I want you to embrace his word and then I want you to walk in it. Because look at the promise. It says, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Cast your anxiety on him and the peace of God will be with you. Meditate on his word. Talk to him. Walk in his promises. And guess what? You don't just get peace from God. You get the God of peace. You get him, right? And that's where our comfort comes from. It's not just this zap of peace, right? You get Jesus. And that's wonderfully comforting. The king of the universe, the strongest one, cares about me and the more I can rest in that, the more peace I experience because our peace comes from Christ Jesus. So he's strong enough to do something about what's worrying you. He's loving enough to want to listen to it. And he's wise enough to know when and how to care for you. So we have to trust him. And that's where our peace comes from. So let's pray. Father, we are thankful for your word. The way it teaches us, God, we pray that it would be just instilled within our spirits and our hearts this morning. We just would proclaim that we trust you. We know what your word says is true, that we would take all our emotions, all our anxieties, all our stress, all our worries, we would cast it on you because you are strong enough to handle all of those things. And God, we, we wanna recognize that it is a practice that we would continue to do this, that, that you don't always respond and just remove everything instantly. You might. But Lord, help us to be faithful in this, that we would continue to practice these things so that our lives would be marked with a lack of anxiety. So we could live in a way that glorifies you to this world. God, we trust you, we love you, we know um, your word is truth. And we wanna proclaim that and rest in that peace this morning. It's in your name we pray, amen.